Welcome to another CPMS News Podcast. I'm Meg Monk, and today I will be speaking with a special guest, Dr. John Lam of the BYU Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry. Dr. Lam graduated with honors from BYU with a degree in chemistry in 1971 and received his PhD in inorganic chemistry from BYU in 1978. He joined the chemistry department at BYU in 1984. Until his retirement from BYU in July, Dr. Lam was the Elliott A. Butler Professor of Chemistry and the Associate Chair of the Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry. Dr. Lam has won numerous awards for his teaching and research, which is focused on macrocyclic chemistry, ion chromatography, and liquid membranes. Dr. Lam will be speaking on the dogma trap at the annual Summer Hayes Lecture on Thursday, September 18th at 7 p.m. in room 1080 of the Harold Bealey Library. Science and religion are both aimed at helping us understand how the world functions and how we relate to the world. At what point do you think we run into problems when we follow the guidelines of religion and science? Well, from my perspective, science and religion both have grounding in faith. Not just religion, but science as well. That is, uh, faith in the testimony of those who have more direct experience than we do uh, with the points uh, that uh, science and religion uh, focus on. Um, You know, faith is uh, one of those fundamental principles which serves as a foundation in both those arenas. In science, for example, we have faith in fundamental principles like the idea that uh, the laws of nature are the same everywhere. We call it spatial symmetry. Or that the laws of nature are the same at all times. We call that temporal symmetry. There are a set of fundamental articles of faith, if you will, in science, just as there are in religion. In our LDS culture, we have 13 articles of faith, for example. But um, sometimes we tend to adopt the same kind of um, uh, adherence to other principles uh, that we do for these uh, articles of faith, if you will, but other principles perhaps that aren't as well grounded. And so in some ways we can become rigid in our thinking and become dogmatic in our beliefs to the extent that we close our minds to new possibilities. And uh, when that happens, it becomes an impediment, I think, to understanding uh, the world, to advancing our understanding in both arenas. In religion, for example, uh, about a thousand years ago, the Christian Church adopted formally the Aristotelian model of the universe, you know, with the sun going around the earth and so on. And um, as a result, 500 years later, when observations were made by people like Kepler and Galileo um, that uh, tended to undermine this principle, it left the church in a kind of dilemma situation because um, they dogmatically clung to this uh, idea that they had adopted years ago uh, that uh, flew in the face of, of the current observations. And so it, um, it made it very difficult for the world to adopt the new uh, sun-centered um, model of the universe that ultimately now we believe in. Uh, in science, an example might be the, the adoption of plate tectonics in the middle of the last century. For uh, many years, students, I remember even myself uh, as a grade school student, 
looking at the map of the world and seeing that uh, the lines of the continents, the uh, eastern uh, border of uh, North and South America seemed to line up pretty well with Europe and Africa, and it made you wonder, you know, if there were some reason for that. Well, about uh, 50, 60 years ago, a meteorologist named Wagner proposed that for this and other reasons, the continents once had been joined and then had drifted apart, but the majority of scientists dogmatically rejected this idea, not just because there was no way to explain how the continents could move, but also just because Wagner wasn't a geologist. <laughs> he wasn't one of their own, and so he wasn't, um, uh, his ideas weren't readily acceptable. So this is one way that we can run into problems. Uh, we get dogmatically um, stuck on some idea that really isn't true in the end and that uh, inhibits our ability to find what really is true. I'm going to talk about that to some extent, actually, in my talk. Um, I'd like to just mention one other possible way that we can run into problems, though, before we go on to another question, and that is when people apply a limited understanding of science or even religion to answer problems that they've encountered in life. Take, uh, for example, um, people who have health problems. They can easily be taken advantage of by unscrupulous people out to hoodwink the unwary in the sense that their limited understanding of science can um, allow them to uh, believe in something that really isn't true or or accept some claim, maybe some claim in, um, uh, in medicine or alternative medicine that, uh, that really is ungrounded. So that's another problem that we run into um, commonly, actually, in the world today, is people struggle to come to grips with the complexities of life, the complexities of religion and science in general. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that being a Christian or being a member of the church in general has changed the way you view science? To some degree, yes, uh, it has, especially, um, I think, as related to my LDS faith. Um, I've always been something of a generalist. I've been interested in a lot of things in my life and pursued a lot of different uh, fields. And in this sense, I've been encouraged, I think, to do that by the example of Joseph Smith, who uh, was an ardent learner. He loved to learn about uh, different things. Um, one of the unique features of LDS theology is the idea that learning has eternal value as we progress toward becoming like our Heavenly Father. And this is something that I tend to try to highlight again and again in my classes. It's made me an even more eager learner than I would have been otherwise, I think. Um, and this idea is actually somewhat unique to Mormonism. Um, it's coupled with the idea that we don't believe that this world and the eternal world are entirely independent and different, as is sometimes believed or taught in other Christian or other kinds of religions. We actually view the afterlife we LDS folks, um, as an extension of this life. 
and the things that we learn here will be applicable there as well. And this makes learning about the natural world, I think, more meaningful because it has eternal value. And so I teach my chemistry students that the principles they learn in their chemistry class will have value not only in getting a good grade in the class or in getting a good job after they graduate, but actually have a value in the eternal world as well. And I think this really um, adds a lot of uh, meaning and a sense of value to the effort that they put into learning uh, the chemistry um, that uh, they've set out to learn. Right. Do you feel that uh, being a member of the church helped you with your pursuits of science? Do you feel that that fostered growth in that area as well? Uh, yes. Um, as I say, the the idea that the physical world is actually one part of a long sequence of an eternal existence um, makes learning about the physical world, I think, uh, more fascinating and, and uh, more valuable in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then in your religious life, do you think that you bring in some of your scientific knowledge into that as well? Oh, sure. I spend a lot of time, as I'm sure my colleagues do as well, thinking uh, in both camps, you know, and trying to bring those two camps together. Uh, it's a fascinating endeavor because the two don't always line up perfectly. But uh, going back to what I said earlier about faith, one of the very fundamental principles of faith that I have and that my colleagues have, I think, is that uh, uh, where there may be seeming discontinuities between what we learn in science and in religion, uh, ultimately there is only one truth, and these two uh, camps will eventually come together in a harmony that uh, will um, be unbroken. It's, uh, it's something to look forward to, and part of uh, my personal quest for understanding in my own life. Okay, great. So what advice would you give students of faith who are just starting out their careers in science? Well, um, I would say, first of all, get a really strong education. Keep in mind that what you learn here will be of value to you forever. Be eclectic in your learning. Um, this kind of uh, flexibility can often lead to insights in one area sparked by analogies, uh, perhaps coming from a different area. For example, um, in trying to understand the atom, the, uh, w we've learned that the, wave, the way waves operate can actually help us understand how particles move and behave in atoms. And so often these insights that we obtain in one area, waves in this particular example, can lead to better understanding of something that seems on the surface at least to be uh, completely separate and different. Um, another idea I think uh, that I might share is that we should be respectful of new ideas and questions. 
questioning and addressing doubts can often lead to new insights uh, of clarity. And we should never um, put anyone down for asking a question or uh, give the impression that somehow questions or trying to resolve doubts is an unworthy kinds of a kind of activity. They are they are often the best activity when one is uh, seeking truth, because as you try to work through questions and doubts, you often uh, emerge much more clear in your thinking and your understanding, I think. One, one final uh, thought that I maybe could share with students is that um, it's kind of uh, along the same lines is don't, don't ever squelch fresh ideas with comments like, oh, that just can't be done or uh, that's not possible. We should encourage people to think outside the box to uh, express their ideas. Often ideas are, are best um, evaluated when they are communicated and there is give and take back and forth between people. So um, keeping an open mind and a respectful attitude as we discuss with others uh, uh, fresh ideas is, I think, one of the uh, underpinnings of advancement in both science and religion, I would say. Thank you for your time, Dr. Lamb. It'll be a pleasure to hear from you. To learn more from Dr. Lamb, come to the Summer Hayes Lecture on September 18th at 7 p.m. in room 1080 of the Harold B. Lee Library.